All right. Hello, everybody. We are back at it again. Welcome to the Text Lab. Coming to you from the green room at VG. We are back for another episode. Will, how's your week been? Dude, it has been good. I got my Mother's Day stuff dialed in. Crawl, you actually went to Target with me. Running errands this I week. I promise you this wasn't a present for Crawl. <laughs> this was a present for my beautiful wife, Katie. Running some errands. Crawl, how about you, dude? I, I just want to say I was impressed by the level of thinking ahead, which actually knowing you did not surprise me whatsoever that you were dialing in that Mother's Day gift. My favorite part was as we're getting out of the car the week of Mother's Day, Crawl's texting his wife saying like, hey, is there anything you want for Mother's Day? <laughs> At Target while I was there. Knocking it out. So, hey, welcome to the text lab. This is where we do a deep dive into the text, into what God's word says to us and his word for us this week. Um, we are diving into Revelation chapter 8 through 11. It is a big text this week, as Drew's been talking about. We hope you have been reading ahead, doing your own prep work, um, just allowing God's word to speak to you through the week. And so we are excited to dive in. The text is so big this week that we're not going to read it on the pod. Um, but Will, as we get started, let's dive in. Chapter 8, what are just some of the main kind of exegetical ideas that stick out to you this week? Yeah, I mean, this is a great heralding of a king and his kingdom. The trumpets blast and the seventh seal bringing about the second set of seven judgments. Um, and, and dude, I love uh, so much of like what we've talked about with um, with how we view judgment and how we view judgment in the grand scheme mm. of things uh, and not just uh, separate from grace, but actually like in order for grace to have its full effect, judgment has to have its place. Mm. And I think like, so we see here, right? The 10 plagues of Exodus show God's judgment on the yeah. earth. Uh, and, and, and honestly, in natural, from beginning to cleanse the earth of sin, uh, of the sin of mankind, we see like this fifth judgment brings God's obedient angel uh, responding to his will to release the kingdom uh, of the underworld upon the earth. Again, so we have this like, We've got this like idea of like judgments mirroring yeah. Egypt, yep. right? And even to think about that and think about how, what that judgment was when it happened in Egypt, you know, if you ever watched Prince of Egypt, <laughs> the Ten Commandments, a lot of great movie references there. If you've read through it in Exodus yourself, you you see how this judgment was meant to turn Pharaoh's heart back to God, back to the great I am, back to Yahweh, that 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 is what judgment is all about. And so here, even in Revelation, judgment being um, unfolded, being uncovered, as, well, as re- what Revelation means, as a, a call to repentance. Again, continually, God inflicting pain intentionally, saying, come back to me, repent, um, and, and come to me. And there's going to be an interlude here where um, a bitter little scroll, most likely the destruction of God's city, swallowed, and then two witnesses are going to come. We'll see that in chapter 11. Uh, the seventh trumpet sounds, the kingdom of God, as also symbolized by the opening of the tabernacle, comes into the world. So this is where it's getting good in Revelation. The action is is, is happening now in these passages. Um, I think just some like exegetical reminders to not try to guess what these different um, symbols mean in our 
time and era. We're not talking about Apache helicopters here. We're not trying to name certain countries. We're not trying to name certain people in these different things. Um, John didn't have that in his mind when he wrote to the original audience. So we want to think about authorial intent as we approach these these passages. And I think, too, like along the lines of authorial intent, which I think is spot on, we also want to think about like how is this playing itself out in the grandeur of Scripture? Mm. How is this working out as we talk about Revelation being the book where we see God has won, God is winning, and God will win? And yeah. so this is the unveiling of the victory. This is like Jesus is like, all right, Tom Brady time. Like we're going fourth quarter and we're going to show you, you think you have won time yeah. and time again, but actually I'm going to show you how not only have we won, but like we've dominated this entire time. Mm. We have not given up possession the entire time. And I think like, that's what we should, that's what we see here in the book of revelation is this beautiful guide uh, for us to realize like, okay, this is where we're at in the grand scheme of scripture. Yep. And this is what it actually means for us in the grand scheme of scripture. It's actually a, a book that comforts us. Even yeah. in the midst of judgment, it's a book to bring us in and say, oh no, like grace is still offered even yep. as we're in the final book and even as the judgments are coming about. Yeah, you really thinking about this as the uh, the grand unfolding of scripture even just like last week when we saw the one who could stand in light of god's wrath this is a book of grace it is pointing us continually to christ um the judgment of god reminding us that we are not able to do it on our own that we need christ that he is the only one who covers us and and really looking at the cross throughout the whole book of revelation thinking about revelation reading revelation with the cross in view continually remembering that jesus is the one who has won that because of what he's done in his death and in his resurrection in his ascension that he is sitting on the throne for all of human history that he is sitting on the throne today and now as revelation continues to show that is a current present um truth and reality and that will continue to be a truth and reality for all of, of, of future history that, that Jesus sits on the throne, that he is the king, that he rules and reigns. So think about that, that Jesus sat on the throne when Pharaoh's heart was hardened. And for all of the future, Jesus will sit on the throne. To read Revelation in that truly Christological sense, I think changes how you approach these texts. Yes, dude, I love that so much. And then it changes the way we view judgment mm. because if it is a me-centered view of reading scripture and not a Christological view, because honestly, like, and, and it's important to, to note, John is writing this book in a Christological view. Yeah. Like yep. the author's intent here is to magnify Jesus. Mm. Like that's what he's doing in the book of Revelation. And especially in like, as we talk about judgment, yep. because we, what we love to do is we like to say, all right, grace is on this side, judgment's yep. on this side. Yeah. And so we like to say, well, hey, look, I have this grace, but how does judgment fit in? Mm. And, and when we take our eyes off of ourselves and place them back upon 
God and the work of the Father sending the Son for the Spirit to dwell among us, we're able to say, oh, actually, judgment and grace live fully in the triune God Mm. that we get to receive. It's not actually about us. It's about the glory of God partaking and working throughout all stages and workings of our life that we get to partake and receive in regardless. Like, and this is the difference, right? So that's happening and has happened and will happen. Yeah. Like both judgment and grace. And we get to partake either from a position of grace who are following and loving Jesus or from a position of judgment for those who honestly, as you said earlier, dude, the heartbeat of the book of revelation is for those who are experiencing judgment to come back into the fold of grace, which I think really creates this now, uh, two things. One is that now creates this posture of worship as we think about who Christ is and what he has done. But then also really creates this missional incentive for us uh, to to take judgment seriously, to take the wrath of God seriously as a grace because it's preserving something true and good and necessary about his holiness and his character and his perfection. And then also for that to be this missional motivator as we live our lives on purpose in Christ, in his kingdom and for his glory, it changes the way we, we think about our friends who are yet to believe We think about um, those who are far from Christ to really soberly understand the judgment of God, the reality. I think that's one thing that, that revelation does. That's so beautiful about it is it helps wake us up from a suburban daydream that we can fall into. So, it's just easy to get uh, caught up in the the daily things of our life and in just the normal like ebbs and flows of life. And your life starts to become about what car you drive and what house you live in and what vacation you're going into. And I think Satan uses those things to lull us to sleep. And a book like Revelation strikes in very stark contrast from that. And I think that's the transition you see, right? Like we saw like how God speaks to the churches mm. and then we move into this space yeah. and like, it's, it's not separating each other out. Mm. This is a book that would have been read together and completely. Yep. It's a book that's like, as you're aware of the church and like, as you have these things, be reminded of this truth, be reminded of the judgment, be reminded yeah. of what God is actually saying in his word, because that drives you to think about all of those things in a different light. It mm. drives you to say, actually, you know what? I'm going to visit the same coffee shop for the sake of my friends who don't love Jesus yeah. so they can experience the grace yep. of Jesus yep. because I don't want them to experience continual judgment yeah. yep. because, or, and, and I think even then, like we talk so much about joy in Jesus here mm. and this book is about that because finding depth in Christ is actually finding joy. Yeah. It's actually finding joy here and now just as much as a future sense. Mm-hmm. Right with God when sin has run its course and when God um, brings about the new heaven and the new earth. Mm. We have joy in Jesus that we can experience now. We have this grace that we get to experience here and now day after day after day that we're like, oh, actually, we don't want our friends who don't love Jesus Mm -hmm. to miss that. Mm -hmm. Like we want them to be experiencing that. And honestly, like the way that we live our life can give them a glimpse of that. Yeah, yeah, and which is really where chapter 11 ends, where it says that the kingdom of the world 
has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sit on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign. You see the kingdom come initially inaugurated at Jesus coming, and now you see it come and be more fully restored to its completion. And for us, kind of in the middle between those two things, what does it look like for us just to live in the reality of the kingdom of God every single day at the coffee shop in this reality of grace and truth? And it's his mercy that does bring us to repentance. His his warning, his judgment that will fully come, that he's telling us is coming, is this grace. It's this mercy that he's offering for all who believe and follow. And so what does it look like for us just to live into, in that kingdom, live in that reality that Jesus sits on the throne today and now just invite other people to that? That's inviting them to living water. That's inviting them to abundant life in the kingdom of God. Well, as you live just this week, how does this just hit you on a personal level? This hits me in exactly what you said. It's not thinking about having those conversations with my yet to believe friends when they do ask as the weird Christian guy, (laughs) right? It's not, it's not that at all. It's actually like freeing and it's being like, I'm going to just be faithful, continually faithful and present in Mm. their life so that when they ask the question, they know that it's not this weird reaction. It's actually me experiencing it and hopefully them in pieces experiencing it themselves Mm. through me or through any of my believers or my my friends who love jesus who like are going to be in those same places or we have that pray watch overlap it's like that's my hope for those people is like that it's not pitting one against the, the other but it's actually living out this life in such a way that's saying like oh, I want you to experience Jesus as you interact with myself and whomever else, whether that be here at VG or whomever, who you're like, oh, there's something different about that person. I love what Drew says when he says, we want, we don't want to answer questions that people aren't asking, but we want to live in such a way that people ask the question. That is for me what it looks like to live like Jesus. Mm, So good. So good. Hey, well, listener, thanks for joining us on the pod today. We hope this is helpful for you as you dive into God's word, as you are driving in your car or at a coffee shop, mowing the lawn, working out. Our hope is just to prepare and equip you to dive into God's word and have a discussion about it uh, with people in your communitas this week. As always, do your own prep. Let the spirit lead you and know that you are the one who is sent by God this week into your family, to your school, to your work, to your coffee shop, to the gym and soccer practice, wherever your prayer watch community might be, wherever God invites you to go, where you are sent to be the living proof of a loving God. And part of the beauty of that is knowing those spaces in our weakness, Christ is strong that even when we're in the coffee shop and we make the mistake, there's grace for us and there's a moment of grace for one. Doesn't get any better than that. We love you guys. We'll catch you next time on the Text Lab. Bro! Boom, dude! I just rode oh, that no. I was like, Will's on it. I'm just going to keep riding this wave all the way into shore. I love it. That was so good. So good, bro.